Hello Nickelodeon fans and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric and we are covering every Nickelodeon show that either started or ended between the times of October 24th and October 30th. And this morning is a bright, crisp October 28th, my birthday. Uh, I figured, you know, I don't remember the last time I actually recorded a podcast on my birthday, so I figured why not make it this one. Let's uh, let's dive in, have some fun. And uh, even though technically we're not covering uh, Halloween as the actual date on this episode, this is the closest Halloween episode we could get to with some of the subject matter um, that we're going to run into today. But we're going to start out with a show that uh, actually ended Six years ago, on October 30th, 2015, Wits Academy, created by Mariello Romero and Katharina Lebedois. I think I said that right. I don't know. I'm going to go with it. Uh, <laughs> ran for one season of 20 episodes. Uh, it actually premiered on October 5th, so it ran pretty much throughout the entire month of October, which, I don't know, seems like a, seems like a bit of a rush. Uh, well, it's a telenovela. Okay, so it's it's like a soap opera. It's one of those those daily those daily soap operas when they're on. I, all right, I understand that. Makes sense. Fourteen years ago, on October thirtieth, two thousand seven, the TV movie Roxy Hunter and the Mystery of the Moody Ghost premiered on Nickelodeon. That was a mouthful. Roxy Hunter and the Mystery of the Moody Ghost. The first movie in the Roxy Hunter series of of three secret oh, no, four I'm wrong, Secret of the Shaman, Myth of the Mermaid, Horrific Halloween. Those are your your Roxy Hunter sequels. But the first one, yeah, premiered 14 years ago. I have not seen this movie or any of its sequels. I I don't seem to be its target audience, and that is okay. Uh, but yeah, getting four movies like that's that's you know if they're all like horror themed, kids like Halloween TV movies. It's just a fact they're always the coolest ones that can air throughout the year. Every channel can have Christmas this or that, but but everybody remembers a really good Halloween movie. I mean, D- Disney had like two or three of them that were knocks out of the park in terms of like Halloween themed, and all of the Nickelodeon specials that were themed after Halloween. Always better than the Christmas specials. Uh, I think the only Christmas special that could stand toe-to-toe with the best Halloween special is Hey Arnold's Christmas. And that that's a debate worth having one day. But I, I can't believe that all came out of, out of Roxy Hunter. Going from one TV movie to another one, and actually this one is a bit legendary, Cry Baby Lane, which premiered 21 years ago today. On October 28th, 2000, happy birthday, Crybaby Lane. Crybaby Lane aired one time and one time only during Snick's Halloween special. Snick, Saturday Night Nick, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, The special was hosted by Melissa Joan Hart, 
and just was never, like I said, it aired once on television, was never seen again, and became a bit of a, of a lost media. Something that, you know, people remembered, there was maybe stills from, it, like existence that it, it happened, but just no one has that tape. And before streaming services, or even YouTube, it, things just, hey, if, if you had to hope that someone out there had a recording of it, and then we're able to digitalize that recording and then hope to upload it to some service out there, whether it be YouTube or Daily Motion or or whatnot. There's there was no way, like, especially with these like one off movies, who who would expect there to actually be a copy of it? Um, in 2011, a copy was discovered on Reddit. And due to the reaction of, of this lost media, Teen Nick actually re-aired the film on October 31st, 2011, which is pretty cool of them. And and apparently when it came down to why this, this became lost, the, the answer is actually they just simply forgot they had it. That it wasn't, I mean, yes, it was lost, but not like lost, we can never find it, but just like, oh, we forgot this existed. We'll dust it off and re-air it again. It's 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 not that big of a deal. What's crazy is, I wonder how many, there's got to be a ton more of, of content in Nickelodeon's vaults and Viacom's vaults that uh, they, they definitely have and are just not being cataloged in a digital sense. We We need to like go through and we need to digitalize all these old bumpers and 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 whatever they have in their midst any any shows that are not on the streaming service they're doing well by the way though i mean with, with the amount of shows that are still cranking out out of nickelodeon's vaults Par paramount is building a, a good base for all of those nickelodeon shows but there's a few more they got to get into but crybaby lane i have never watched this i knew of the history of it but i've never sat through and watched this movie if it's worth watching Definitely let me know. I would I would appreciate that. Also, 21 years ago on October 25th, 2000, as told by Ginger, premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Emily Kapnick, as told by Ginger, was another show out of the Klasky Chupo studio and, and just another hit for Nickelodeon. Um, really, really growing up with their audience because we're out of the 90s and here is a, another Nicktoon that takes the teen drama comedy approach and I think they took that ball and ran with it for the time that Ginger was on television which was three seasons of 60 episodes they were able to tell so many stories involving so many characters they were able to find different avenues of storytelling with these different characters interacting with one another and there were there were stakes at hand things weren't forgotten when something happens in one episode it is remembered by the next episode and not you know something where you have to watch it episode to episode but certainly why characters do what they do their reasonings behind it their their love their betrayal their hate the it's it's just like any other you know well-written drama um i believe if you watch this from beginning to end it can be quite an experience now my uh enjoyment of ginger now i was nine ten years old i was nine about to turn 10 years old when this show aired and you know I, there were certain aspects i liked about it and i and it caught my attention for a little while but i had fallen off from the show i didn't really even get to experience the end of that show 
when it was on the air because I, I just stopped watching and I knew after a while, hey, it's it's just like any soap opera. If you if you don't pay attention for a while and try hop, you know, hopping back in, you certainly can. But for some, it can be a bit of an overwhelming experience. Like, oh, I, I missed out on all of that. And at the time, it wasn't like very easy to catch up on old episodes. So if you missed out, you missed out. You know, there weren't like season DVD sets of the show. So there was just, you know, no way of catching up. And it was one of those shows for me. Um, I saw the end of that show, though, on YouTube a few years ago. I had never seen the ending. And I, I didn't know that there was not only such a concrete finale, but there was a time jump. And I got to say, uh, growing up with some of those characters, uh, at least for the time that I was watching that show, which was a good like season and a half, I, I I didn't like watch a few episodes and then quit. It was I I watched a good amount, but for the time I did, and then got to see a finale in the way it was presented, that was really sweet because there there were not many Nicktoons that got to have a nice finality moment, and it was really nice to see a show like that have a not only like concrete final episode, but then get to have a bit of a time jump so you get to see all these characters still knowing each other in the future, which I got to say, being an adult, the, the older you grow makes you appreciate the people in your life uh, so much more the longer they are with you. I, I have friends that I've known for more than my uh, more than half of my life thus far, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to still be able to to call them on the phone, still have them with you. So that that ending of Ginger really touches home, honestly. If you have never seen it, look it up, especially if you grew up with that with that show. Um, and even if you're like me, you don't have to watch the entire show to watch a, a scene like that and go, I, I get it. That's that's pretty sweet. Uh, so congratulations to all involved. Um, I I think. It's a nice balance to have with all of the other goofier Nicktoons. You can have the Ren and Stimpies, the Roccos, but you can also have the the Hey Arnolds and the Gingers that are a little bit more grounded. They could still be a cartoon when they want to, and hey, still some things can happen in terms of like storyline that it's like, all right, come on, this is getting just a little ridiculous. But that slice of life drama aspect is a great balance to the real goofy that you can find on that network. Also from Klasky Chupo, 27 years ago on October 29th, 1994. Ah, Real Monsters premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Garber Chupo and Peter Gaffney, the show ran for four seasons of 52 episodes. And it's, it's one of my favorite Nicktoons. It's one that has just always consistently been there for good horror content. If you're somebody who likes scary movies and scary stuff and you are also into the Nicktoons, chances are you're probably a fan of Aro Monsters. Uh, I am someone who, who does enjoy a bit of, of, of scary movies, horror experiences. I, I love that stuff. And a lot of that stemmed from Aro Monsters and Are You Afraid of the Dark, two shows that I was watching on Nickelodeon, both airing at the same time. Wonderful stuff. Um, Another thing that I really love about this show, it features one of my favorite Nickelodeon villains, Simon the Monster Hunter, voiced by Jim Belushi. Uh, first off, shout out to Jim Belushi. Love that guy. And Simon the Monster Hunter is the absolute best foil that I can think of for a show. Just a natural foil. When you build a world like this where monsters exist, they live in the dump, they, they're constantly around humans. 
the thought instantly goes like you're telling me that no monster is getting caught. There's not that dumb monster. Yeah, they are getting caught and Simon knows about their existence. But unfortunately for the monsters, well, actually, fortunately for him, fortunately for the monsters, he's not the um, brightest light bulb in the bunch and uh, is pretty much to his own detriment the reason why he never succeeds but he's just he left such an impression on me as a kid and just to me always felt like if you're gonna build this story he's he's a natural like out of day one there's got to be a monster hunter in this world a natural villain but to not forget about the monsters here Ickis, crumb and oblina the three monsters that we follow here throughout the monster school uh where they're being taught how to scare and unlike the whole monsters inc monsters university verse in which they're you know like these could be nice guys and they're they're scaring people you know for a reason like that doesn't exist here these are monsters that are just scaring because scaring is cool that that's what it's about and i love that that concept and it's great to have the monsters inc world too you know, it's it, it's got to be the Disney World of Monsters. Well, I'm I'm glad that our monsters in Nickelodeon are a little bit grungier. They're a little bit dirtier. I mean, the monsters of the Monsters Inc. universe like scaring too. No, I'm like they enjoy their jobs, but uh, there's just there's a difference here. They have to scare, and when they feel like think about this, when they realize they don't have to do it. Uh, they, everybody's stoked. You would think like if you show up to the scaring floor, like, Hey everybody, we're, we're going to stop what we're doing. We're going to stop scaring kids. We're going to make them laugh. I, I feel like there'd be a mass exodus and, and it just feels like at the end of that first movie, there's, there's not more monsters who, who are just like, um, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going to another scaring uh, factory. You guys can laugh all you want. Obviously, I mean, the science is there. They could prove it. But still, there, there'd still be some scaring factories out there. I mean, we have we have energy in this world that is just arguably bar none better, like on every level that everybody ignores because we like the old stuff. So in the Monsters, Inc. world, you definitely know that regardless on laugh being a more powerful uh, an efficient form of energy, there would still be those holdouts of scaring. Like, this is how we've always done it. We're going to scare children. Okay, I'm not going on a Monsters Inc. rant. Monst uh, all real monsters, though, they don't have to worry about energy. They don't have to do it. They're scaring because that's what monsters do. Uh, but th they do touch upon other monsters that might philosophically not want to scare or... Uh, Ickis, for example, one of our main characters befriends a young child and doesn't, you know, want to scare him and, and has his own fears and that stuff is touched upon and that's what's beautiful is that you, you have this entire school of hideous creatures that, you know, are purposely designed to look like monsters. Some are approachable, some not so much, but they're all kind of human and that's the beauty of it. The same beauty that is prevalent in Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. You're watching these movies. You're watching the show. They look like fastly fascinating creatures. But at the end of the day, they're just they're written to be human. And I love that. And I love that the, the school aspect, even though it's about scaring, they found so many ways to reach you know like write the same kind of stories that they could write if it was set at an actual school so there was a lot of that involved and I loved the creativity of that show if you are someone who 
enjoys a good Halloween movie, a good scary movie, even if you're someone you don't have to enjoy like the real hardcore stuff. But if you enjoy anything that just delves into a bit of the creepy, all real monsters should be in your in your view scape. Watch that show. Check it out. And if you've never seen it, check out a few episodes. Let me know what you think. Watch any of the episodes at Simon the Monster Hunter. Uh, those are some of my favorites. Uh, and and just you know, since I'm I'm asking some of you to uh, to watch out there, I figured I'd give you a good one to watch. Uh, season one, uh, Crumbs Pimple. That's an episode that always makes me laugh. I love that episode. Give that one a watch. That's uh, Captain Eric's pick of the week right there. Uh, but we're going from monsters that come out of your closet to a pos. I'm not gonna make a joke about Allegra being a monster, uh, but also. 27 years ago, on October 24th, 1994, Allegra's Window premiered on Nick Jr. Allegra's Window, created by Jan Fleming Callender, John Hoffman, and Jim Jenkins. The show ran for three seasons of 50 episodes. This was a Nick Jr. staple if you were growing up in the early 90s. This in our next show that we're going to talk about. But Allegra's Window was a was a pretty good show. I, I actually... Um, when Paramount Plus first dropped, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch one episode or at least try to of each each show. Um, when I got to Allegra's Window, the the first immediate thing that I, I noticed was just how the all of the puppet uh, all the puppets in the show looked like Doug characters. And then it clicked. Oh, yeah. Jim Jenkins here, creator of Doug also helped create Allegra's window. So it just, it like, it hit, oh yeah, of course, of course the characters look this, you know, in similar design. That's the same creator. So uh, I, I can't unsee it now. And now the show just looks like if they ever tried to make Doug characters into puppets and interact with humans, this is kind of what they look like. And I'm a bit interested in that. Uh, Disney now owns Doug. So I don't know, make a make do something with puppets and Doug for YouTube. Try at least build them. I'd love to see what they look like. Uh, but Allegra's Window, I remember watching it as a kid and it was super charming. Um, I, it's definitely something that if you have young kids, it's, it's still a, you know, probably going to be a very colorful treat for them to watch um even on rewatch i was like you know some of the the characters had great designs um in that one episode i watched i don't i didn't feel like any characters like overstayed their welcome on the screen i picked some random season one episode and and it's it's one of these shows that has such a a roundabout carnival cast of characters that you know, we just got to cycle through them. They, you know, everybody's got to get their chance to get a, a little bit of a joke or a little bit of gag in. And, and it was it was charming. So um, it, wonderful Nick Jr. show. And from one Nick Jr. show to another 27 years ago on October 24th, 1994, Gullah Gullah Island premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Maria Magdalena Perez, Kathleen Mitten, Catapano and Kit Leiborn. The show ran for four seasons of 70 episodes, and I absolutely adore Gullah Gullah Island. It's it's one show that I definitely watched a lot as a kid, but its theme song and just the the iconic Binya Binya Frog just stayed in the back of my head. There's no way that after hearing this theme song, or at least if you grew up with it, you can't ever forget. The Gullah Gullah Island theme song is an absolute 
earworm. Uh, I was going down this rabbit hole of Gullah Gullah Island because I'm like, I, I wanted to look more about it, it is a it's a fictional island, right? And and I wanted to get more into this, and it, it's just fascinating stuff. So I'm gonna bring you a little bit more information about Gullah Gullah Island here. Uh, the show was hosted by Ron Dace, now the vice president for creative education at Book Green Gardens and Murals Inlet, South Carolina, and his wife Natalie Dace, both of whom also served as cultural advisors and were inspired by the Gullah culture of Ron's home of St. Helena Island, South Carolina, part of the Sea Islands. Uh, Gullah culture, like, I'm just, like, I got fascinated by this because, I don't know, you presented some of these words as kids and you, I, I don't remember much of the show. I was, you know, three or four years old when this, I was watching this. I just remembered, you know, theme song, Binya Frog, really good people. I want to visit that island. But I like that I'm actually learning a little bit more. Um, the Gullah are African Americans, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia. I don't want to, like, you know, get wrong. This is information that has been sourced, and this is, you know, official. I'm This is what I trust right now. The Gullah are African Americans who live in the low country region of the U.S. states of Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and North Carolina in both the coastal plain and the sea islands. They developed a Creole language, also called Gullah, and a culture with some African influence. I got to say, it's it's really fascinating. And this is, my goodness, this is what, uh, this is what America and, and really the world is just all about. It's just people with experiences, with culture, whatever they feel is their culture, bringing this to other people. And, and here you have a, a group of people all in the southern part of the United States that have developed this now separate heritage, this Gullah heritage. And I love that Ron and Nancy then took that to executives uh, Nickelodeon, I guess, after one of their presentations. And and they built upon uh, Gullah Gullah Island in, in making this show uh, for kids to bring just a little bit of that culture to our television screens. And um, I, I am absolutely uh, blessed to have had that experience didn't even realize. Uh, I got to rewatch more of Gullah Gullah Island on Nick Jr. Um, but I don't know. It just uh, think about that at the time, early 90s. What other children's shows were really, you know, diving into worlds like Gullah culture? I I can't think of any. And I mean, what a what a beautiful way to present that to, to kids. I look, I, I, I like that. There's another sh any show that can help bring some part of the world in a in an interesting and fun way to kids i think is a, is a great experience it, you know with this this isn't a contest we don't have to to show off who's got what or how many but you know hey if there's a cool culture out there if there's something that that can be represented in some way and and just be shown well, why not why not do it do more of it i like there's enough there's enough channels out there there's enough kids there's more eyes now looking at, at screens than it ever before in life. Uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed, and this is this is great that, that it's. I think it's up on Paramount Plus right now, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, what was another cool thing about Gullah Gullah Island here is that it actually had a bit of a lost media itself. Uh, in 1997, a miniseries from Gullah Gullah Island was created after the the uh, Binya Frog, which I mentioned. If I I actually should 
if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I know on Gullah Gullah Island, it's it's made up of most humans living on this island. It's a live action show, but there's um, there's an actual person in a in a costume. Well, no, the the Binya frog's a real creature. Come on, we got to keep some of the some of the uh, magic alive. Uh, no, there's there's an act. There's a there's a puppet you know, character that, that is there obviously as, as the mascot of the show and to entice kids. But the, the Binya frog is a, a kind of a kid in his own right. He's young. So he makes mistakes and then has to learn from him. Uh, Binya Binya is, is a great character. And so they, they took him and made his own little, little short form mini series called Binya Binya and, uh, and it aired once from February 12th to February 6th, all five episodes. And uh, then they were just never seen from again. And there was like, once again, if you did not record these things, they air once, one time only, boom, you're done. Years later, you just, you can't go to YouTube. And if no one has uploaded that, then there's no way to prove that it existed. Um, a promo advertising the series' debut is the only known footage. Um, and I guess all five episodes, I get five. Yeah, it's five episodes. Uh, all five episodes were believed to be lost until 2017 when snippets of the fifth episode and the fourth episode surfaced online uh, coming from old VHS tapes of Nickelodeon shows. People who just happen to be recording at the time. I mean, now it's almost impossible for something to air in it for not to be preserved. With the, with the way the internet, I mean... You put anything on the internet, it stays around. But uh, stuff that aired in like the early '90s, late '90s, it's it's tough if somebody wasn't ready at the time with that recorder. Uh, but that is this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, my name is Captain Eric. I appreciate you making me a part of your week. Thank you for being a part of mine. If you like any of the content I produce, audio, video, anywise, and if there's any way that you can share that out to the world, I appreciate you. If there's any way that you can help me out. Uh, liking videos, subscribing, sharing, even just coming by on Twitter and Instagram and saying what's up. Any of that is always appreciated. So thank you very much. Please stay safe out there. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.